0: I am so thankful to be here and uh, to be back. I always miss not being here. I tuned in last week so thankful for Ross and... uh, mostly for his friendship, but also just for his faithfulness to the Lord Jesus Christ. I'm thankful, and uh, so thank you, Ross, for filling in for me, helping me out last week. We're in James chapter 4. been walking through the book of James chapter verse this morning. We are going to begin in James chapter number 4, and we're going to look at the first six verses of Scripture and uh, just asking the question, friend or foe? It's a question that all of us must ask ourselves this morning. Am I a friend of God? Aren't you thankful that we have a God uh, that is what I would call a coming down kind of God? I, I uh, embrace that phrase. One of my seminary professors used to say it every time we started class. We have a coming down kind of God. And I was like, you know, you say that every time, but that is so true. Aren't you thankful we could not get to him, so he came us and uh and he loves us dearly desires intimate relationship with us he wants to be our friend john uh in fact in the gospel of john chapter 15 the bible says it like this in verses number 13 and 14 greater love has no one than this that one lay down his life for his friends you are my friends if you do You are my friends if you do what I command you. And uh, so when I think of Jesus Christ, I'm simply saying he's not only my Savior, but he's also my friend. And so the question has to be asked for each one of us, is he your friend or your foe? He's one or the other. And when you're talking about being a foe or an enemy of God, that is a frightful thought to think that I am an enemy of God Almighty. The Bible says over in Psalm chapter number 68, verse number 21, in Psalm 68 and in verse number 21, surely God will shatter the head of his enemies, the hairy crown of him who goes on, on in his guilty deeds and just talking about falling into the hands of an angry God over in the book of Hebrews chapter number 10 and in verse number 31 the Bible says it is terrifying thing uh, to fall into the hands of the living God to be an enemy of God you know when you're talking about an enemy of God this morning I doubt that there's anybody here that would say uh, I'm an enemy of God or I desire to be an enemy of God. Uh, And yet, when you're talking about this passage of Scripture, uh, James is not writing to people on the outside. He's writing to people who are a part of the church, a part of the gathering, a part of the assembling together. As Christians, for example, uh, we look and we say, oh, I can see an enemy of God. Uh, In fact, this morning, I would submit to you that when you're talking about Hamas or any other uh, Muslim, a Muslim is an enemy of God. Uh, When you're talking about an assaulting uh, uh, innocent people. Uh, we have enemies of God that are very much evident. But this morning I'm not talking about Hamas and I'm not talking about them that are out there. I'm asking the question for each one of us and we got to answer the question honestly before God Almighty. Am I a friend or an enemy of God? He's talking about enemies within our own walls. In fact, if you were to describe an enemy of God that James is talking about this morning, I would say that an enemy of God is a person that perhaps even has some measure of morality. Uh, uh, Who would that be? Well, I would say the rich young ruler that we read about in Scripture would be considered an enemy of God. Why? Because he doesn't want to be obedient to God Almighty. Therefore, he sets himself up against God. You see, what Scripture teaches is that there is no neutral ground. I'm either for God and with God and submitted to his lordship and leadership in my life or I've set myself against him as an enemy. There's no neutral ground. And so an enemy of God would would be a person that has some kind of measure of morality. Perhaps, uh, not only that, they have some religious activity. Uh, He's talking, again, in this letter to the church. He's not writing this letter to those who are outside in the world. Scripture's written, and James writes his letter to... Uh, the church, and so they're religiously active people when you talk about an enemy of God. They have religious activity. Uh, I would say that they even have some knowledge of Scripture. Uh, uh, in fact, here's what happens oftentimes, is, is, is someone might say, well, I know what the Bible says, but... You ever heard that? Maybe you've made that statement. I know what the Bible says, but... Well, there there are no buts. Either I'm with God and submitted to his lordship and leadership, or I've set myself against him as an enemy. In fact, if you were to talk about an enemy of God, I would say that at the very heart of the enemy of God is something called hedonism. They're hedonistic. They have an insatiable desire for selfish activity, personal pleasures. That's what motivates them and moves them. That's the reason why James, in this passage of Scripture, is talking about an enemy of God, someone that approaches the church and infuses the church with a personal agenda creates major problems in the body of Christ. You see, as his people, we have to either be all on the same page saying he is Lord and Savior. We will surrender and submit to his leadership. But if someone comes in who says, oh, but it's all about me, then it creates issues within the body. Even Jesus himself didn't set out to do his own thing. Romans chapter 15 in verse number 3, the Bible says this, for even Christ did not please himself, but as it is written the reproaches of those who reproached you fell on me. And so James is talking about this friend or foe and which one am I? James chapter 4 beginning in verse number 1 the Bible says this, what is the source of quarrels and conflicts among you? Is not the source your pleasures that wage war in your members? You lust And do not have, so you commit murder. You're envious and cannot obtain. So you fight and quarrel. You do not have because you do not ask, and you ask and do not receive because you ask with wrong motives so that you may spend it on your own pleasures. You adulteresses, do you not know that friendship with the world is hostility toward God? Therefore, whoever wishes to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God. Or do you think that the Scripture speaks to no purpose? He jealously desires the Spirit which he has made to dwell in us. We're going to address that in a minute verse 5. But anyways, verse 6 goes on but he gives a greater grace, therefore it says God is opposed to the proud but gives grace to the humble. James is just simply saying that, listen, if you are an enemy of God, there will be problems in your life. If you're an enemy of God, there's going to be some major problems going on in your world. And here he addresses three problems that an enemy of God is going to have. The first one is you're going to have people problems. If you're an enemy of God and you're a part of a church body especially, you're going to have people problems. Verse number one, verse, uh, the first half of verse number one, what is the source of quarrels and conflicts among you? Again, he's addressing a problem within the church. The church has always had problems, always has, always will. Why? Because the church is made up of people and people have problems. I am a problem. <laughs> we 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 we're people. In fact, I, I heard somebody once say, "You know, I, I would love the ministry." As a pastor friend of mine said it, "I, I would love the ministry if it weren't for the people." And uh, uh, why? Because we, we we have problems because we're just. People. And it always has plagued the church. In fact, when you look through Scripture, the letters being written uh, uh, by the apostles to the churches, the church at Corinth had major, major problems. The church at Corinth was guilty of the wealthy, oppressing Uh, the poor, of one brother or sister suing another brother or a sister. In fact, the heartbeat behind the problems at the church at Corinth was, I want to be recognized and exalt myself. I want you to worship me because of how gifted I am. The church was plagued with problems at Corinth. If you look at the church at Philippi, the church at Philippi had two women who couldn't get over their issues and they were fighting and fussing and bickering with one another. And all of a sudden you have a church that says, oh, we've got to pick up sides, to which I would suggest that, hey, listen, don't ever pick up sides when you're talking about people. I'm not for you and I'm not for you. I'm for Jesus, okay? And Jesus is for unity, Whatever that means, and so and so, the church at Philippi was a church that struggled. The church at Galatia was another church that struggled. Uh, they were what I would call uh, 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 they were spiritual cannibals. That's what they were. They were uh, uh, devouring one another, uh, just chewing each other up and spitting each other out because they were people that's what they were we have always had problems in the church that's why anytime you're driving down the road have you ever recognized and noticed that when you're driving down the road especially when you go through small towns it it happens all over small towns you're driving through and all of a sudden you drive into the east side of town and you have hope baptist church and then you get to the center of town it says new hope baptist church you go to the west side it says no hope baptist church and they all started from the same place but they have problems in the body. And that's what James is talking about this morning. There's fussing and fighting and quarrels, but that is not how God intended the church to be. That's not the place... Uh, 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 that's not the purpose for which the family of God was created. In fact, Jesus Christ, in John chapter number 17, he prays the priestly prayer Jesus does for his people, just exposing, again, his heart for the church. What do I want the church to be? He says in verse number 22 and 23 of John chapter 17, The glory which you have given me, I have given to them, that they may be one, just as we are one. I and them and you and me uh, that they may be perfected in love <clears throat> and unity so that the world may know that you sent me and love them even as you have loved me He's saying there's a problem and the problem is with people you have problems with other people That's what happens and and, and what happens in the life of the church Jesus He desired unity in the body. Why? Because the church is supposed to be that place where brothers and sisters can come together for the purpose of edification and encouragement. Let's not forsake the assembling together as some are in the habit of doing, but let us continue so that we might encourage one another to good works. And I'm telling you, if you're fussing and if you're fighting, I don't want you to try to encourage me. You know what I'm talking about? I mean, somebody, somebody that, 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 that we're on opposite ends and we're in the middle of a fight and then all of a sudden you think I can receive encouragement when we gather together? I'm just not ready for that because there's a problem and the problem is disunity. It affects the edification that's supposed to be happening among the body. Not only does it affect the edification among the body, the evangelization. In other words, what, what kind of picture is that painting of our Savior when the church is fighting? What an embarrassment it is to Jesus Christ when there's fights and quarrels among the body. Y'all all right? When we look at the church and the world that we're living in, we are our worst enemy. Why? Because we're made up of people and we have struggles. And that's where they begin. And he's just simply saying, hey, listen, if I'm a foe of God, I've got problems. But when you're talking about problems that I'll have with other people, problems that I have with other people it's a manifestation of a greater problem okay so my problems with other people is a manifestation of a greater problem and the greater problem exists within myself so it's not just people problems that I've got I've got a personal problem within it's coming from within verse number one gives us that answer is not the source what's wrong is not the source your pleasures that wage war in your members You lust and don't have, so you commit murder. You're envious and you can't obtain, so you fight and you quarrel. And then he goes on to say you don't ask. You don't have because you don't ask, and you ask and don't receive because you ask with the wrong motives so that you may spend it on your own pleasures, personal problems. You know, there is an invisible war that rages and the heart of every person in this place. When you got saved, although we are to die to ourself, that old nature's still there. And the old nature can create major problems in life. In fact, 1 Peter says it like this. 1 Peter, over in in chapter number 2 and in verse number 11, it says it like this. Beloved, I urge you as aliens and strangers abstain from fleshly lusts which wage war against the soul. What is it in my soul? What is it that I struggle with? Well, I would say personal pleasures, selfishness. I want what I want, when I want it. And if we're not careful, that fleshly desire can take over and create major issues. See, the quarrels and the fighting among people happen because my heart's not quite right. Something's going on in my heart. My personal problems all of a sudden becomes people problems when I don't get what I want. See what I'm saying? So here's, here's the way it works. Here's the way it works. I want what I want when I want it. I can't get it because somebody I perceive is in my way. Therefore, that person, no matter who they are, becomes my enemy because they're keeping me from my heart's selfish desire. So now I have a problem on my hands, and it's a people problem, but it was birthed from a personal problem within the heart. And that's what James is simply saying. He says, hey, listen, When you're talking about the problem that exists in the heart, sometimes there's even murder among yourselves. You lust and you don't have, so you commit murder. In other words, you got this passion uh, and and all of a sudden you you commit. And and, and by the way, this word for murder doesn't necessarily, uh, don't, don't limit the word just simply to the act of physical murder. It can be from anything from homicide of the heart all the way over to physical murder. In other words, man, I have a lusting in my heart. But I perceive you to be the problem. And therefore, I want to destroy you one way or another. Whether it be with my words or my actions, my lustful heart, my lustful heart, my problem becomes a problem between me and you. And I'm going to seek to destroy you. You ever seen that happen? All of a sudden, I'm going to wage war with my mouth. Oh, it's subtle. It's a subtle assault, If you want some illustrations, Aaron and Miriam in the Old Testament. Aaron and Miriam, when you're talking about Moses. Moses leading uh, the children of Israel. And all of a sudden he has a brother and sister. And, 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 and they, they ask the question in Numbers chapter number 12, verses 2 and following. Uh, has the Lord indeed spoken only through Moses? Has he not spoken through us as well? And the Lord heard it. Now the man Moses was very humble, more than any man on the face of the earth. Suddenly the Lord said to Moses and Aaron and to Miriam, you three come out to the tent of meeting. So the three of them came out. And then the Lord came down in a pillar of cloud and stood in the doorway of the tent. And he called Aaron and Miriam. When they had both come forward, he said, hear now my words. If there's a prophet among you, I, the Lord, shall make myself known to him in a vision. I shall speak with him in a dream. Not so with my servant Moses. He's a faithful, he is faithful in all of my household. With him I speak mouth to mouth, even openly, and not in dark sayings. And he beholds the form of the Lord. Why then were you not afraid to speak against servant, my servant against Moses? So the anger of the Lord burned against them. What was it? A lust in the heart that said, I'll destroy him. Same thing happened. I mean, David, how about the story of David, King David? King David and all of a sudden his son Absalom. I mean, we can go on and on and on, and even King David on both sides of the issue. But King David's son Absalom, he had a lust for position. He had a lust for power. And my daddy David's in my way. So I'm going to try to take him out. So he stood at the gates and tried to convince the people. Oh, yeah, well, he's good, but mm, he's lacking. And it's assaults. He says, sometimes people try to destroy one another. But then he goes on. He says, it's it's not just the murder. He says, you're envious and you cannot obtain. You want something that you can't have. So you fight and you quarrel. In other words, when you're talking about an enemy of God, an enemy of God sometimes they murder, but sometimes there's just irrational outbursts of anger and fits of rage against people. Why? Because the people in their life are perceived to be the obstacle that's standing between them and their selfish desires of their heart. What do you mean by that? How does that work? Here's what I mean by that. All of a sudden, there's outbursts of anger and rage against children living in the house. Why? Because I want to live like I'm single and I'm married and I have children. And now although we don't say it there's a problem in the heart my heart is longing for freedom and i see my kids as standing between me and my freedom and so i have outbursts of anger that happens in my house it happens between spouses i got some slimy sucker out there that's been flirting with me and all of a sudden my heart is given and i say i want that but i'm married And so now, against my spouse, I'm angry. And I have outbursts of anger and fits of rage. Irrational, unreasonable. I'm just ticked off at my spouse. Why? Not because your spouse has done anything, but because you have serious problems within your heart. You lust and you can't have, so you got fits of rage and anger. That's what James is saying. Where do they come from? They come from my own heart. We always want somebody else to blame it on, but James is saying, don't blame it on somebody else. Look at your own heart in the midst of problems along the way. Why do you think you have fights in the home? Because you have sometimes children that say, I want what I want when I want it. And my mom and dad is standing in the way. So they become the enemy. You ever struggle with that? My boss wants to hold me accountable, but I want to fudge on my time. Now, my boss became the enemy because he calls me out because I'm late and doing sorry work. The problem's not with the boss, the problem's with your heart that's lusting for things you ought not to be lusting for. And that's what James is saying. The same thing happens in homes, it happens in churches, it happens in organizations where there is fussing and fighting. The problem exists oftentimes because of the problem within the heart. And the problem is the person is looking for satisfaction, and they're looking for some kind of contentment, and they're looking for some kind of fulfillment, but the problem is they're looking in the wrong places. Only Jesus can give true contentment. Only Jesus can give true satisfaction in life. And you see, what happens is all of a sudden a person, they think, man, if I only had that, then I would be content. It's like a mirage. Man, I grew up watching Bugs Bunny. <laughs> remember Bugs Bunny? Bugs Bunny would, he called it a mirage. <laughs> Bugs Bunny would be out there, and I could feel his pain. I mean, he would be in the desert, right? And I mean, he's like wilted. Man, I got, I got to have me some water. And he saw, he'd see a mirage. And he'd run up to that mirage. And all of a sudden, he would start drinking. And then he'd realize, man, I'm just drinking dirt. And you know there's a lot of people that are chasing mirages in life. And you're angry at those oftentimes that love you the most because there's a lusting in the heart for things you ought not to be lusting after and you won't find satisfaction in the world satisfaction is only found in Jesus Christ that's where it's found the bible says it like this psalm 16 over in psalm chapter number 16 <clears throat> says it like this in verse number 11 psalm 16 in verse number 11 You will make known to me the path of life. In your presence is fullness of joy. In your right hand there are pleasures forevermore. We don't ask because we simply are filled with pride and want to satisfy ourselves. And oftentimes we don't ask because we know the longing is not godly. We don't ask. And if we do ask, the motivation is wrong. I'm simply asking for the wrong reason. I just simply, I'm just i simply wanting a blessing somehow instead of asking for the blesser. See, if you, if you get Jesus, you get the blessing. But to get Jesus, you've got to come to him his way and on his turn, as a friend a friend is obedient to his word and a foe says no i'm going to handle it myself i've got a longing in my heart and i'm going to fill it somehow some way and the problem is you'll never find satisfaction there maybe temporarily but never lasting just a mirage ultimately ultimately this problem that James is talking about isn't just personal. Oh, the personal creates problems with other people. But can I tell you, ultimately, the problem is a providential problem. It's a problem between you and God Almighty. He goes on to say in verse number 4 and following, you adulteresses, do you not know that friendship with the world is hostility toward God? Therefore, whoever wishes to be a friend of the world makes himself, makes himself, you did it to yourself, an enemy of God. And verse number five and six goes on from there. Just simply saying, do you realize, do you realize that as a Christian, you are the bride of Christ? You realize that? As a Christian, you are, you are the bride of Christ. So you adulteresses. Why does he say you adulteresses? Here's why. You're looking for satisfaction somewhere other than your husband. It's a relationship. You're the bride. Why are you looking for satisfaction? Why are you looking for life? Why are you looking for purpose somewhere other than your spouse, your husband. We've been reading through the book of Hosea on Sunday nights. In the book of Hosea, Hosea the prophet of God was told to marry a a whore. It's an image, it's a picture. Literally it happened. God wanted His people to understand his love for them. <clears throat> and when you think about the picture of a husband and wife, we can understand we can understand the seriousness of sin and how it hurts the heart of our husband. Can you imagine a husband or can you imagine a wife saying, you know, I, man, my wife, she is such a loving person and my wife really is. She is such a loving person and so forgiving, sweet spirit. And I I, I know that she'd find it in her heart to forgive me if, you know, I mean, I'm faithful 98% of the time, but 2% of the time, I just, you know, I need, I, I gotta go get my fix. You say, that's about as sorry as it gets. And yet, do we not live that way with our husband. We got this longing in the heart. So you adulteresses, don't be a friend of the world. Don't be a friend of the world. Questions got to be asked. Am I living for myself or for my savior? Who's lord of my life? First John chapter 2 verse 15 through 17 says it like this. Do not love the world, nor the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh and the lust of the eyes, the boastful pride of life, it's not from the Father, but it's from the world. And the world's passing away, also it's lusts. But the one who does the will of God lives forever. So he goes on into verse number five. And stick with me right here, all right? Verse 5. I'm reading from the New American Standard Bible. Or do you think that the scripture speaks to no purpose? He jealously desires the spirit, capital S, which he has made to dwell in us. And then it goes on into verse number 6. <clears throat> why, why, why are you stopping here for a second? Because there's a difference of opinion when it comes to the interpretation of this one verse, okay? Um, Some of you may have the King James Version of Scripture. And the King James Version of Scripture says this, verse number 5. Or do you think that the Scripture speaks to no purpose? And then it goes on to say, The Spirit that dwells in us lusteth to envy. So there's two different opinions, all right? New American Standard, basically, okay, so here's where we're we're talking, all right? Let's talk for just a second. So in the New American Standard translators, what they did was they added he to the very first part. They put capital S, which when you're talking about the Greek language, there's not a capital or lowercase, and so depending upon the context, you either capitalize it or you don't. And so they chose to capitalize the S and add an H to help with the interpretation that they believe that this was speaking to, and they're just simply saying this. So the New American Standard would, would simply be saying this on their interpretation. God is a jealous God, jealous of his people. He, he's jealous for you, and he's placed that Holy Spirit within you that's jealous for you, okay? KJV doesn't say, doesn't include the H, but instead says, there's a spirit within you that lusteth to envy. Both interpretations here are biblical, okay? What I mean by that is it's general principles being taught anywhere else in Scripture. God is a jealous God, jealous of his people, okay? Biblical principle number one. Number two, we are a messed up people, (laughs) that have a spirit within us that lusteth to envy. Biblical principle. The Apostle Paul said, why do I do the things I don't want to do and don't do the things that I want to do? Because there's a spirit within you that lusteth to envy. And so when you're talking about which one is right, are y'all all all right? Y'all with me still? Okay, so the question has to be asked, which one would be right? Both of them hermeneutically are correct. In other words, you can, you can check them anywhere else in Scripture, and they're both biblical truths. It doesn't change, by the way. Some people look at it and say, oh, look at there! there's something wrong with the Bible. No, there's nothing wrong with Scripture, but it, but it does say you better make sure you study and, and, and prepare when you're trying to rightly divide God's Word. And so hermeneutically, both are correct. But contextually, I believe one has a greater challenge than the other. I think that the New American Standard has a greater challenge contextually than does than does the KJV in the interpretation. And so I'm one that would say, don't add he or capitalize S. Because if you go there, it's simply saying this. When you leave it within the context, it's saying, first of all, New American Standard would say, man, God is jealous for you, verse 6, but he gives greater grace. And then it goes on from there, which is a little bit of a disconnect. It doesn't mean that it can't be that. But I'm just simply saying, how about this translation from the KJV? We have a spirit within us that lusteth to envy. In other words, we have a major problem that we all possess, that fallen flesh, that fallen nature that's consumed with selfishness. But God's grace is greater. Verse 6, contextually. But God's grace is greater. Aren't you thankful this morning that God's grace is greater than all of my sin? And this morning, I don't know who you are or what's happening, but the question's got to be asked. Are you a friend of God or a foe? You see, because a foe is an incredibly prideful person, you have set yourself up on the throne of your heart I will do what I want to do when I want to do it. I know what the Bible says, but there's nothing more prideful than that position. You're saying, I know what God says, (laughs) but I really got the answer. And James says, God's opposed to you. God's opposed to you. But he gives grace to the humble. What do you mean the humble? Blessed are the poor in spirit. Blessed are those who mourn. Blessed are they who recognize I'm weak and I have fallen, but God's grace is greater than all my sin. Hey, let me ask you a question this morning, because when you're talking about being a friend or foe, it begins with our decision for salvation. That's where it begins. If you've never been born again, if you've never been saved, you're definitely, you're definitely today a foe. You're a foe. But do you know that today you can become a friend? You can become a friend when you recognize, I have sinned because the Bible tells me I have sinned. And the Bible also says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son that whoever believes in him will not perish but have everlasting life. God sent his son Jesus into this world not to condemn us of our sin but to save us from our sin. Today, if you call on his name, you can be saved. And so I want to encourage you to call on his name. But what about it, brother and sister? You struggling today? Anybody struggling today with saying, you know what? I mean, I'm a child, but I have strayed. And I'm actually living in a position that's not friendly with God. Because my heart's not right. And that's only between you and God. And if that's where you are today, I am so thankful that His grace is greater than all my sin. That today, if I confess my sin, God is faithful and just to forgive me of my sin and cleanse me of all unrighteousness today. Would you join me for prayer? Father, I thank you for this day. God, I thank you for your goodness. I thank you for your love. I thank you for your kindness. And even, God, now for the opportunity that we have. Lord Jesus, I pray, dear God, for each one in this place, whether they be in this building or online. Father, if there be any that's perishing, never been born again, not saved today, God, that this might be the day when your Holy Spirit breathes life. Oh, God. Father, I pray for the lost that they would cry out to you for salvation today. And God, I also pray for myself, for all my brothers and sisters. God, we are people. (laughs) God, we have struggles. I'm thankful that We don't have a high priest who cannot sympathize and empathize with us. God, you know our struggles. You know our weaknesses. And yet you love us still. But God, help us today to see what you see in our hearts. Let us not deceive ourselves into thinking that we're your friend when deep in the darkness of our hearts God we've set ourselves against you oh God search our hearts and Lord Jesus we thank you for this moment of opportunity to be able to start fresh and new oh God have your way search us today and have your way thank you for this moment So in Jesus' name we pray, amen.